0: Welcome to Riverlife Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about Riverlife Baptist Church go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Hey have you ever felt in limbo as a Christian? Have you ever felt the challenge of being a citizen of heaven and yet sometimes walking around this earth, not quite feeling that heaven is really reaching earth? In 2015, uh, well before kids, I was fortunate enough to head over to Europe uh, with family and some friends. And uh, man, such a great spot. We were in uh, Spain. We landed in Spain and we were in this tiny town called Catechates. Uh, beautiful spot. The cooks were there with us, you guys remember it. And uh, man, such a great, great spot, beautiful part of the world. And one day my wife and, and I decided we would uh, hire us a, an electric scooter and we'd go for a, a drive from Spain up to France, which is like, you know, it was like an hour or so, uh, just like small towns up towards France. There's a photo up here behind, uh, yeah, this is like, this is us. Like, oh man, back, back when I had like, no wisdom at all, I mean, look at that, way too young. Anyway, uh, but uh, this is a great spot to be in and, and so we're, we're driving up the coast and we, we head over the border and we land in this small town and we have lunch. And uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not fluent in French, uh, je parle un peu uh, Francais, like only a tiny bit of French, but enough that I can order something off a menu, I thought. And so there it is. And, and I ordered this thing like an ensalade something. I'm expecting this like meaty sort of burrito sort of thingy that comes out. And they, the waitress brings out this giant bowl of lettuce and tomatoes. And I'd ordered a salad enselade, uh But I mean, I should have thought it was not gonna be an ensalade, but uh, my goodness. But, um, but there we are in France, And yet, it's like this Spanish menu. And I later find out that these bordering towns seem to speak like a combined sort of dialect, not full French, which I was expecting. Today's text is a little bit like this. Because as I went over the border, there you see the culture is a bit blurred, The language is a bit confusing, and uh, they were still experiencing, we were still sort of experiencing the culture of Spain, but we were in France. And so today we're going to jump into the third chapter of Colossians, and we're going to learn about an alternative lifestyle that followers of Jesus are called into as participants in this alternative kingdom. So, to recap, Paul has already explained in chapters 1 and 2 that because of the work of Jesus, the church of Colossae should look different to those around them. Remember, the book is set in part of the world that's governed by Rome, you know, the Roman Empire. Paul himself has not been to this church, but he's writing this encouraging letter to, to sort of urge these people to pursue Jesus, to go towards Jesus alone. The Son is the image of the invisible God, it's Jesus who will complete you. Not a philosophy, not a religious system, and certainly not the Roman Empire. Jesus is enough. And so we come to chapter three. We're challenged to live a transformed life in God's kingdom. This is the new country, so to speak, that we are a part of. But as Christians, how transformed are we meant to be? What should that really look like in our lives? How do we know if we're truly living a life that is worthy of God? Today's text hopefully should bring some light on how transformed you should be. So are you ready? This is Colossians 3, 1 to 4. It's up behind me, or you can open your Bibles and read along. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory." This is the second time that Paul has sort of mentioned or or sort of spoken out that we have been raised with Christ. The first was in chapter two in verse 12 when he speaks of baptism, really, you've been buried and then you've been raised through faith, raised with him. Why does he repeat himself here? What's going on? Well, really, Paul is trying to draw the Colossian church towards Jesus, of course, to remembering what he's done. But now it goes beyond the theoretical and it impacts the identity of the believer so much that they set their heart and their mind on things above. How is this made possible? Paul explains that transformation is only possible through what theologians have coined this term, A beautiful exchange. This is going to be a little bit dense for just a few moments, so please track along with me. But really, Jesus became a man, right? God in the flesh. He became a man, and yet he remained perfect, blameless, spotless. He knew no sin. When he went to the cross, the Father treated him as if. He had committed every sin for every person in every generation, in fact, for the whole world. And so as He's on the cross, the Father's treating Him as if He has done those things. And here in His perfection, the Father sort of is looking at Him. And really in that moment, He becomes a ransom for your debt. He becomes a substitute for your sin. He becomes a redeemer for your life. It's there that your sins are placed upon the cross, as it reads in chapter two. But it doesn't just stop there. Not only is our sin nailed to the cross, now believers are also raised to life by the power of the Spirit in us. And His perfection, His holiness, His uh, wholeness is... Given to us. So your failings, your brokenness, your dirt is given to Him. And in exchange for that, He has given you His perfection, His wholeness, and His holiness. Paul's already explained this back in chapter 1. It says this He has reconciled to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, through what? By His blood shed on the cross. This is the beautiful exchange. This is the heart of the story of Jesus. Isn't that such good news? Is anyone sort of grateful for Jesus this morning, that He has done that for you, He's done that for me? In fact, He's done it for the whole world. That's the heart of this story. So what does it mean? It means that you're hidden with Christ. You are hidden with Christ. Your past failings, your past sin, all your attempts at good works and sort of religious righteousness, all of that was nothing good. And that is exchanged and now hidden with Christ because of Jesus in this beautiful exchange. And so when the Father looks at you, He sees Jesus, He sees the cross. The book of Colossians so far is telling us about this alternative story where his kingdom, when it rules and it reigns. But now in chapter three, Paul doesn't just explain that story again just to repeat himself. No, I need you to hear this. Now Paul ties the identity of the believer to that story. Did you notice it? You are now a main character in this story. You. It says this, you have died, you were buried, you are raised, you set your hearts and minds on Christ above, seated at the right hand, and you will be revealed when He comes again. Did you hear that? There's a death, there's a burial, there's a resurrection, there's an even ascension and a second coming. Who? For you, like you're part of this story now. That's what Paul's trying to explain here. Not just knowing the story in your head, in theory, now living out a transformed life. For the story of Jesus is not meant to uh, sort of remain there, it's meant to, in fact, form the very lives and hearts, the people of God. It's meant to hit us. For you and me, transformation is essential. So I can feel it in the room, a lot of you guys are in. A lot of you guys have committed to that. A lot of you have adopted that story. But can you confidently say, yes, Jesus, I have died with you. I've been raised to life with you. I'm hidden with Christ. If you have not made that commitment today, I wanna give you right now an opportunity. I still got 20 minutes of preaching, but I want to give you an opportunity right now today if you have not made that commitment. Jesus has died. He's paid an ultimate death for you so that you could have freedom. And we're going to hear about what life looks like in transformation, but, but for anyone who has not made that commitment right now, I just want you to put your hands on your heart. You can do it in your seat. No one's probably even going to notice. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And the rest of this room, why don't we intercede? That means praying on behalf of someone. Let's just ask that God would move in our hearts. Simply, Jesus, we need you. We need this exchange where our brokenness is given to you. and You give us perfection. Lord, I want you to come into my life. Lord, we want you uh, to be the main thing. So come, Holy Spirit, move in hearts. We really want you above everything. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. If that was you, uh, feel free to come down the front, meet one of the pastors, one of the prayer team at the end. We'd love to pray with you and show you sort of what it looks like to to go forward from here. But for everyone else, uh, you know, and uh, Paul's not finished. And so we're going to keep reading Colossians 3. It says this in verse 5 to 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, a barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Oh, wow. Paul. Chill out a bit, hey! Like this is way intense, so intense. But what, what's what's he going on about here? What's he saying? Put to death. What's all that? I think he's just said you've you've died. Why does he go on to then say go continue to put on put on death? Like put it to death. Here we find in these verses really the key to living a transformed life in a community of believers who are participating in this alternative reality. Paul addresses many sins. You you can see them up here on the board if you can read that. Um, But really they're broken into two main categories, sexual sin and social sin. The first list consists of these self-gratifying and promiscuous acts that occur outside of a commitment of marriage particularly. But the most shocking part for me Or perhaps the most maybe challenging part for me when I read this is not necessarily the actions of sexual immorality here, these impurity, lust, and evil desires, but it's really the way that it finishes with these two words, greed and idolatry. The point that he's trying to make is this, that all sexual immorality comes from a place of selfish greed, that has the control and consumption of the other person as its ultimate desire. Greed, idolatry. You know, there's no clearer picture of this, I don't think, than the pornography industry. Wow. You know, The Guardian make a very conservative estimate to say that this industry is worth $15 billion. Some people project a much higher number of $96 billion industry annually. Wow. And you know what's at the heart of this industry? Greed. Greed. Selfish people committing selfish acts with greedy companies, employing people who are trapped in an industry of idolatry of the self. You know, for me, I struggled with pornography for many years. From a young age, at the grade five, in my primary school, sitting in a classroom, I was first exposed to this. And, uh, and, it, and it sort of had a hold on me for many, many years. I can remember in 2014, I was a youth leader, and uh, we had this boys' night, and often in boys' nights, we gather the boys and sort of charge them towards purity and try and encourage them in that way. And I was the one sort of giving a, a talk on a panel with a few of the leaders. And as I'm preparing this, thinking about the damage of pornography and, and how, it, how it changes young people's minds and how that sets them on a track, you know, towards destruction. Uh, I'm preparing this message and in the background, I'm, I'm also sort of succumbing to the, the very thing I'm, I'm trying to encourage them away from. And I can remember the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks and said, like, what are you doing? You know, what, what's going on here? How can, you be, how can you be such a hypocrite in this moment, effectively? And it's not like it was brand new. It was years, you know, and I talked to leaders. I talked to youth leaders and I prayed through these things. And it just got to a point, really, where I was desperate for God. I was desperate for Him to change my life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, really, it was a spiritual act. Um, uh, I don't know. Something changed in that moment. I prayed. I asked Him. I contended on, on, my, on my life, effectively. And it's now been, I don't know, 10 or so years of complete freedom from the sin. Yeah, so great. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Awesome. Praise God. I don't share that story to to get a clap. I just share that story to say it is possible to put to death all these things. It's really, really possible. Sexual sin isn't sin because it's sexual. God created sex. Sexual sin is sin because it's greedy. It's focused on the self rather than coming together of a blessed union. It breaks the very thing that God sort of longed for, a community, His church. These acts, they hurt the community and it's the heart of the believers that really needs to be transformed. Uh, Yeah, really, sex is now longer particularly in the younger generation, not just what we do. It has turned into who we are. It's an attack of the identity that God has spoken out from the beginning. So it's not just the the act or the behavior that is now the issue. It's really how it's become part of our identity of who we are. The good news is Jesus is enough. Jesus has paid the ultimate price. That's why I shared that you are hidden with Christ. And if you need to find freedom and to put to death these social, uh, sorry, sexual sins, today is your day of transformation. I really believe it. May this text be your sign from God. Put it to death today. Secondly, Paul this social sin. And these are all really tied up in our speech anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. The room got a little bit quiet before when I was talking about sexual sin, but what about these sins? If a church leader committed sexual sin, wow, if there was an affair, wow, there'd be outrage. But what about when someone is filled with rage? What about anger? What about this gossiping and slandering one another? What are we doing with that? Does anyone care about that? Interestingly, the Greek word for slander here is blasphemia. To bear false witness against someone or to cast a whole community in a negative light is blasphemy. Why? Because it slanders the very people who are made in the image of God. And no matter even if you're a Christian or not, all people, we believe, are made in the image of God. Isn't that right? What about when it's the redeemed people of God? Wow. Why would we be slandering this thing here and these people here? Ultimately, it's blasphemy of God when we're slandering one another. By listing off these sins, Paul's not trying to say that we can't be, you know, emotional. We can't feel like hurt or pain or, or, or sort of be sort of angry, you know, in, the, in that way. Like he's trying to just say that we cannot allow these social sins to stand in the way of the community that Jesus came to build. And here's the good news again. Jesus is enough for you to be transformed. Jesus is enough. You can find transformation for those social sins today. May that be your sign today. These lists, they're not to be viewed, though, as individualistic lists, as individualistic ways to please God. These are actually meant to be communal, showing us as the church what it looks like to live an alternative lifestyle. Because it says this in chapter 3, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. Christ is all and is in all. Sexual sin and social sin both, both come against that. Jesus has united all people from all races, From all generations, from all upbringings and cultural backgrounds, Jesus has united all through him. And so when you're committing sin individually, those sins are actually affecting us as a congregation, as a church. That's what Paul's trying to say here. This is not an individualistic list of sin. This is a communal list of sins. Your personal affairs, your dealings, even your heart and motives have a direct relation to how we grow as a church. So is there sin in your life? Sexual sin, social sin, put them to death before they kill you and before they kill this community. The solution to this is to put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. The picture here is sort of taking off old clothes and putting on new clothes. Paul shows us that as a community, we don't need to just stamp out sexual sin or put tape around people gossiping. Instead, we need to put on the new self. So this is an individual responsibility and it has corporate consequences. It says this in 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity." Now, I'm not sure if you notice this, but this whole putting off and putting on of clothes, this is exactly what Jesus did. Did you notice that He went to the grave? And when they come to the tomb, what do they find at the grave? They find His grave clothes. Interesting. What about Lazarus when He is resurrected after four days of being dead? What, what does Jesus say? He says, take off those grave clothes and let Him go. The picture of sort of being hidden comes to mind. Hidden behind maybe a pure cloak of love. So the old nature, the old clothes, they need to be put to death. And now Paul encourages us to clothe ourselves, really, with the fruit of the Spirit. It's a very similar list to Galatians chapter 6. You know, even 1 Corinthians 13 comes to mind. But when you put on Christ, this is the beautiful exchange. You are putting on His life. His holiness, His perfection. You're becoming many christs in the world, you know, like Christians. Christians, anointed ones. You know, we should have a deep compassion for those around you. Kindness through deeds, humility, thinking of others before yourself, being gentle and meek. Leads to forgiveness. That comes from love, doesn't it? So where in your life right now do you need to put on the new self? Is there a part of your life that people do not see Christ's love in you? For me, if I can be honest, it's about 6 a.m. at the moment because 6 a.m. comes around and we have four kids running around or some in laps, you know, and I'm trying to just give my wife a few more minutes of sleep, you know, just trying to be a good husband, whatever. And at that point, it gets a bit uh, tense because I'm like, "Come on, be quiet," you know. Trying, and and that's when sort of this anger bubbles up in me. And I've recognised that's a place where I need to put that to death. I need to find love, and in that moment, stop and pray. What about you? your life is hidden with Christ. The old life is dead and now through a transformational work God's presence is in your life and it can now give you a new self. All of this really leads to worship, which I'm so excited for. This is what it says in Colossians 3:15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Be thankful. Worship is the right response to the revelation of Jesus. Worship is the right response to the revelation of Jesus. If you have seen Jesus, if you have participated in this great alternative story, if you have been hidden with Christ, if your old has been put to death, if you're now walking in step, like all of this is sort of culminating towards the right response of worship. Worship is not meant to be just here on a Sunday, it's actually meant to be worship, thanksgiving, all your days, all moments, not just singing songs, but here. Did you notice that Paul addresses three different things, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Do you notice that there's sort of different types of worship songs? Have you noticed that for different purposes? As we finish, I want you to see this picture up here. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Firstly, up the top, psalms. These are songs based in Scripture, notably one psalm to 150 psalms. Like there's a lot of literal songs in there. But really, this is Scripture. He's trying to say, sing Scripture. Secondly, hymns. These are sort of poetic uh, material that recited or sung. And these really speak of doctrinal truth. But bear in mind, Jesus sung a hymn in the garden before He was betrayed. So I just want to point this out. I love hymns. But, but we're not just talking about amazing grace. We're not just talking about how great thou art. We're talking about like, you know, these beautiful doctrinal truths, these songs that are sort of full of truth, songs like Contemporary Hymn of Living Hope. That is a hymn, really. Or maybe King of Kings. That, that's like a modern day contemporary hymn. Okay, what about spiritual songs? These are songs based really in personal experience, sung from the spirit of the individual. But what happens when we have sort of some of these mixed together? Well, uh, if we just stay at the top there, we're going to have what's called exclusive psalmody. And some churches will only a cappella sing psalms, you know, even to today, which is great for them. That's fine. It's great. What about if we just have hymns? We will solely be singing out congregational anthems, doctrinal truth. That is awesome. So good. So rich. Amazing. What about if we go on to the other side where it's just based in our personal experience and we're singing spiritual songs? Sometimes these are the spontaneous songs and prophetic songs. What if we are just doing those? Well, we're not getting the full picture, are we? Next slide, we've got um, devotional songs, which is when... Uh, yep, thank you. Uh, when the Psalms are really hitting our personal experience. And to be honest, this is what my wife and I generally write. These are devotional songs based in Scripture, linking in with our personal lives. And that writes this sort of a devotional sort of song. If you hit the Scripture and the, the, the hymn, there's a space there, which is the declarative songs. And these are punchy, amazing, full of truth songs. We sing so many of them here at River Life. It's amazing, it's a great through, but it's not the whole picture. What about the bottom one? Spiritual songs and hymns, when they are combined together, that is a beautiful response song. Not just response at the end of the message, please give me a pad, and we'll sing, but, but this is a response song to the revelation of Jesus, where it's I have, have, have been devoted to God, I want to sing. This is like goodness of God to me. Oh, man, it's, it's founded in truth, the doctrinal truth, but it's also Jen Johnson's personal experience of how good God is. These are great, and and we should be using all these different sort of types of songs. But what happens if we have them all together at once? I think really this is corporate worship. When we have all these elements, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, this is what Paul is explaining. He's trying to say, let's try and get all of these in. I'm not saying all the same set, Nick, but I mean all of these are speaking towards something. And now you know why. Power of your love Now you know why All Hail King Jesus is so powerful. Because it's all of these sort of coming together. There's scripture, there's doctrinal truth, there's a personal sort of response and element to it as well. And so we're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as our right response to what Jesus has done. In a moment, we're going to do that. We're going to sing. And as we do that really I want you to focus on him focus on Jesus He's the one who has hidden you You are hidden with Christ And I guess just before we go to that singing of the songs I just I want to give you an opportunity now to respond particularly to those two areas of spaces in your life where you need to put to death sexual sin and social sin. Because there is so much greater, there's so many more beautiful things, there's so much a a greater love that we have for one another when we put those things to death. And you know, before the service, uh, one of our team, uh, sorry, well, one of the prayer team had this, this word for us. I'd love to read it out. I'm gonna pray for this. Um, for those who have been diagnosed with blockages of the heart, come forward this morning and receive physical healing. That's, that's it. So sort of blockages of the heart. And as I read that, I was like, oh, she doesn't know what I'm preaching on this is awesome. Because really, I, I, I feel like you guys know this, probably, unless you are a brand new Christian. You know that these things are causing damage to yourself and to us as a community. What is that? And I, I, I really, I'm, I guess I'm praying that this morning, that the, the blockages in our heart spiritually, would be released, would be freed, and that we would find freedom. So we're going to pray for physical healing, yes, but I want to also pray for, for spiritual healing for you. And so, um, yeah, maybe you've got something on your heart right now. Maybe you've got somewhere you need freedom, where you need to be transformed by this great love. When you close your eyes, I'm going to pray for you. Today is the day of transformation. Today is the day of transformation. Not just for individuals, but Lord, for this whole community. God, I thank You for this moment where maybe this is where You've now spoken to us very clearly that we need to put to death these things, sexually, socially. Lord, bless these areas of our lives where we have our, our our mouth and our tongue that's sort of leading people astray maybe or, or speaking out truths that are not right you know or not from you oh God I pray that your kindness would lead us to a place of repentance this morning God thank you Lord from for all people, not just here in this room, but online. God, I pray that there would be moments right here where we can put to death anything that's not of You. And by the power of the Spirit, You would put on the new self within us. God, thank You that we have stepped into a brand new country, a brand new kingdom of God. Lord God, show us how to now live Lives worthy of this King Jesus. For You went to such lengths, God. You went to such lengths to redeem us, to show us Your heart, God. But now we want to put to death anything in us, anything that's, that's not from You, God. We just know that You so want this for this community. You so want this for this community. This church, God, you've gone to such lengths, God. And so God, I pray by the power of your Spirit, show us this morning just how to live in this new country, this new kingdom. God, show us how to put on love and compassion and kindness and gentleness, meekness, humility. Lord, show us how to do that. I know it's by your Spirit. God, thank you for hiding us. Thank you for hiding us behind this great cross. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.